Hey everyone, it's Miss Felicia J here and welcome to Love Life and a Beautiful Glass of Red Wine. This is the chapter by chapter episode. Um, I started this podcast because of my sons and the questions they asked me and the profound conversations that ensued. I wanted to broaden their minds and so I gave them some books to read and while they were interested in reading them, they didn't really read them and so chapter by chapter was born. So here I am reading the books that I feel will inspire my sons, the rest of my children, you, and of course myself. Now if you have a suggestion, email me at chapterbychapter256 at gmail.com and I'll put it on the reading list. This episode we are reading The Alchemist and we are on chapter, oh sorry, we are on page 27. And so before we get to reading, let's not forget our favorite drink. I think that reading with your favorite drink, whether that is um, some sparkling water, I like it with a little bit of twisted lemon, or some hot chocolate, or um, orange juice, or wine, or whatever it is you like to read with, um, I think we should do that. So go get your favorite drink, pour it, get it beside you, and let's get reading. Are you ready now? So here we go. We're going on page 27 of The Alchemist by Paul Coelho. The boy began to read, began again to read his book, but he was no longer able to concentrate. He was tense and upset because he knew that the old man was right. He went over to the bakery and bought a loaf of bread, thinking about whether or not he should tell the baker what the old man had said about him. Sometimes it's better to leave things as they are, he thought, him to, he thought to himself, and he decided to say nothing. If he were to say anything, the baker would spend three days thinking about giving it all up, even though he had gotten used to the way that things were. The boy could, cert, could certainly resist causing that kind of anxiety for the baker, so he began to wander through the city and found himself at the gates. There was a small building there, a window with a window at which people bought tickets to Africa. Sorry, bought tickets to Africa, and he knew that Egypt was in Africa. Can I help you? asked the man behind the window. Maybe tomorrow, said the old said the boy, moving away. If he sold just one of his sheep, he'd have enough to get get him to the other shop. Sorry, he'd have enough to get him to the other shore of the strait. The idea frightened him. Another dreamer, said the ticket seller to his assistant, watching the boy walk away. He doesn't have enough money to travel. While standing at the ticket window, the boy had remembered his flock and decided he should go back to being a shepherd. In two years, he had learned everything about shepherding. He knew how to shear sheep, knew how to care for pregnant ewes, and how to protect the sheep from wolves. He knew all the fields and pastures of Andalusia, and he knew what was the fair price for every one of his animals. He decided to return to his friend's stable by the longest route possible. As he walked past the city's castle, he interrupted his return and climbed the stone ramp that led to the top of the wall. From there, he could see Africa in the distance. Someone had once told him that it was from there that the Moors had come to occupy all of Spain. He could see almost the entire city from where he sat, 
including the plaza where he had talked with the old man. Cursed the moment I met that old man, he thought. He had come to the town only to find a woman who could interpret his dream. Neither the woman nor the old man was at all impressed by the fact that he was a shepherd. They were solitary individuals who no longer believed in things and didn't understand that shepherds become attached to their sheep. He knew that everything about each he knew everything about each of his flock. He knew which ones were lame, which one were to give birth in two months from now, and which ones were the laziest. He knew how to shear them and how to slaughter them. If he ever decided to leave them, they would suffer. The wind began to pick up. He knew that wind. Perhaps it was called the lavender, because on it the moors had come from Levant at the eastern end of the Mediterranean. The lavender increased in intensity. Here I am, between my flock and my treasure, the boy thought. He had to choose between something he had become accustomed to and something he wanted to leave. There was also the merchant's daughter, but she wasn't as important as his flock because she didn't depend on him. Maybe she didn't even remember him. He was sure that it made no difference to her on which day he appeared. For her, every day was the same. And when each day is the same as the next, it's because people fail to recognize a good thing that happens in their lives every day that the sun rises. I left my father and my mother and the town castle behind. They've gotten used to me being away, to my being away, and so have I. The sheep will get used to me not my not being there too, the boy thought. From where he sat he could observe the plaza. People continued to come and go from the baker's shop. A young couple sat on the bench where he had talked with the old man, and they kissed. That baker, he said to himself, without completing the thought, the levanter was getting stronger, and he felt its force on his face. That wind had brought the moors, yes, but it also brought the smell of the desert and of veiled women. It had brought with it the sweet, the sweat and the dreams of men who had once left to search for the unknown and for gold and adventure and for the pyramids. The boy felt jealous of the freedom of the wind and saw that he could have the same freedom. There was nothing to hold him back but himself, the sheep, the merchant's daughter, and the fields of Andalusia were only steps along the way to his personal legend. The next day, the boy met the old man at noon. He brought six sheep with him. I'm surprised, the boy said. My friend bought all the other sheep immediately. He said that he had always dreamed of being a shepherd and that it was a good omen. That's the way it always is, the old man said. It's called the principle of favorability. When you play cards for the first time, you're almost sure to win. Beginner's luck. Why is that? Because there's a force that wants you to recognize your personal legend. It whets your appetite with the taste of success. Then the old man began to inspect the sheep, and he saw that one was lame. The boy explained that it wasn't important, since that sheep was the most intelligent of the flock and produced the most wool. Where is the treasure, he asked. It's in Egypt, near the pyramids. The boy was startled. The old woman had said the same thing, but she hadn't charged him anything. In order to find the treasure, you will have to follow the omens. God has prepared a path for everyone, 
to follow. You just have to read the omens that he left for you. Before the boy could reply, a butterfly appeared and fluttered between him and the old man. He remembered something his grandfather had once told him, that butterflies were a good omen, like crickets and like grasshoppers, like lizards and four-leaf clovers. That's right, said the old man, able to read the boy's thoughts. Just as your grandfather taught you, these are good omens. The old man opened his cape and the boy was struck by what he saw. The old man wore a breastplate of heavy gold covered with precious metals. The boy recalled the brilliance he had noticed on the previous day. He really was a king. He must be disguised to avoid encounters with thieves. Take these, said the old man, holding out a white stone and a black stone that had been embedded at the corner of the breastplate. They are called Urim and Thummim. The black signifies yes, and the white, no. When you are unable to read the omens, they will help you to do so. Always ask objective questions. But, if you can, try to make your own decisions. The treasure is at the pyramids. That you already knew. But I had to insist on the payment of six sheep because I helped you to make your decision. The boy put the stones in his pouch. From then on, he would make his own decisions. Don't forget that everything you deal with is only one thing and nothing else. And don't forget the language of omens. And above all, don't forget to follow your personal legend through to its conclusion. But before I go, I want to tell you a story. A certain shopkeeper sent his son to learn about the secret of happiness from the wisest man in the world. The lad wandered through the desert for 40 days and finally came upon a beautiful castle high atop a mountain. It was there that the wise man lived. Rather than finding a saintly man though, our hero, on entering the main room of the castle, saw a hive of activity. Tradesmen came and went. People were conversing in the corners. A small orchestra was playing soft music. And there was a table covered with platters of the most delicious food in that part of the world. The wise man conversed with everyone, and the boy had to wait for two hours before it was his turn to be given the man's attention. The wise man listened attentively to the boy's explanation of why he had come, but told him that he didn't have time just then to explain the secret of happiness. He suggested that the boy look around the palace and return in two hours. Meanwhile, I want to ask you to do something, said the wise man, handing the boy a teaspoon that held two drops of oil. As you wander around, carry the spoon with you, without allowing the oil to spill. The boy began climbing and descending the many stairways of the palace, keeping his eyes fixed on the spoon. After two hours, he returned to the room where the wise man was. Well, asked the wise man, did you see the Persian tapestries that are hanging in my dining hall? Did you see the garden that it took the master gardener ten years to create? Did you notice the beautiful parchments in my library? The boy was embarrassed and confessed that he had observed nothing. His only concern had been not to sp spill the oil that the wise man had entrusted to him. Then go back and observe the marvels of my world. You cannot trust a man if you don't know his house. 
Relieved, the boy picked up the spoon and returned to his exploration of the palace, this time observing all of the works of art in the ceil on the ceilings and the, and the walls. He saw the gardens, the mountains all around him, the beauty of the flowers, and the taste with which everything had been selected. Upon returning to the wise man, he related in detail everything he had seen. But where are the drops of oil I entrusted to you? asked the wise man. Looking down at the spoon he held, the boy saw the oil was gone. Well, there is only, there is only one piece of advice I can give you, said the wisest of the wise men. The secret of happiness is to see all the marvels of the world and never to forget the drops of oil on the spoon. The shepherd said nothing. He'd understood the story the old king had told him. A shepherd may like to travel, but he should never forget about his sheep. The old man looked at the boy and said, and with with his hands, the old man looked at his, at the boy, and with his hands held together, made several strange gestures over the boy's head. Then, taking his sheep, he walked away. As the highest point in Tarifa, at the highest point in Tarifa, there is an old fort, built by the Moors. From atop its walls, one can catch a glimpse of Africa. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, sat on the wall of the fort that afternoon and felt the lavender blowing in his face. The sheep fidgeted nearby, uneasy with their new order and excited by so much change. All they wanted was food and water. Melchizedek watched a small ship that was plowing its way out of the port. He would never again see the boy, just as, he had never, just as he had never seen Abraham again after having charged him, one -tenth, him his one-tenth fee. That was his work. The gods should not have desires because they don't have personal legends, but the king of Salem hoped desperately that the boy would be successful. It's too bad that he's quickly going to forget my name, he thought. I should have repeated it for him. Then when he spoke about me, he would say that I am Melchizedek, the king of Salem. He looked to the skies, feeling a bit abashed, and said, I know it's the vanity of vanities, as you said, my lord, but an old king sometimes has to take some pride in himself. How strange Africa is, thought the boy. He was sitting in a bar very much like the other bars he had seen along the narrows of the streets of Tangier. Some of them were smoking from a gigantic pipe that they passed from one to the other. In a few hours he had seen men, in just a few hours he had seen men walking hand in hand, women with their faces covered, and priests that climbed to the tops of towers and chanted. As everyone about him went to their knees and placed their foreheads to the ground, a practice of infidels, he said to himself. As a child in church, he had always looked at the image of St. Santiago Matoros on his white horse, his sword unsheathed, and figures such as these kneeling at his feet. The boy felt ill and terribly alone. The infidels had an evil look about them. Besides this, in the rush of his travels, he'd forgotten a detail, just one detail, which would keep him from his treasure for a long time. Only Arabic was spoken in this country. The owner of the bar approached him. 
and the boy pointed to a drink that had been served at the table, next table. It turned out to be a bitter tea. The boy preferred wine. But he didn't need to worry about that right now. What he had to be concerned about was his treasure and how he was going to go about getting it. The sale of his sheep had left him with enough money in his pouch, and the boy knew that in money there was magic. Whoever had, has money is never really alone. Before long, maybe in just a few days, he would be at the pyramids. An old man with a breastplate of gold wouldn't have lied just to acquire six sheep. The old man had spoken about signs and omens, and as the boy was crossing the strait, he had thought about omens. Yes, the old man had known what he was talking about. During the time the boy had spent in the fields of Andalusia, he had become used to learning which path he should take by observing the ground in the sky. He discovered that the presence of a certain bird meant that a snake was nearby, and that a certain shrub was a sign that there was water in the area. A sheep had taught him that. If God leaps the leap, sorry, if God leads the sheep so well, he will also lead a man, he thought, and that made him feel a bit better. The tea seemed less bitter. Who are you? He heard a voice ask him in Spanish. The boy was relieved. He was thinking about omens and someone had appeared. How come you speak Spanish, he said, he asked. The new arrival was a young man in western dress, but the color of his skin suggested he was from this city. He was about the same age and height as the boy. Almost everyone speaks, everyone here speaks Spanish. We're only two hours from Spain. Sit down and let me treat you to something, said the boy, and asked for a glass of wine for me. I hate this tea. There is no wine in the country, the young man said. The religion here forbids it. The boy told him that he needed to get to the pyramids. He almost began to tell him about his treasure, but decided not to do so. If he did, it was possible that the Arab would want a part of it as payment for taking him there. He remembered what the old man had said about offering something you didn't even have yet. I'd like, to t I'd like you to take me there if you can. I can pay you to serve me as my guide. Do you have any idea how to get there, the newcomer asked. The boy noticed that the owner of the bar stood nearby, listening attentively to their conversation. He felt uneasy at the man's presence, but he f had found a guide and didn't want to miss out on, this opportun on an opportunity. You have to cross the entire Sahara Desert, said the young man, and to do that, you need money. I need to know whether you have enough. The boy thought it was a strange question, but he trusted in the old man who had said, who had said that. When you really want something, the universe always conspires in your favor. He took his money from his pouch and showed it to the young man. The owner of the bar came over and looked as well. The two men exchanged some words in Arabic, and the bar owner seemed irritated. Let's get out of here, said the new arrival. He wants us to leave. The boy was relieved. He got up to pay the bill, but the owner grabbed him and began to speak to him in a stream of angry words. The boy was strong and wanted to retaliate, but he was in a foreign country. His new friend pushed the owner aside and pulled the boy outside with him. He wanted your money, he said. Tangier is not like the rest of Africa. This is a port, and, and every port has its thieves. The boy trusted his new friend. He had helped him out in a dangerous situation. He took out his money and counted it. We could get to the pyramids by tomorrow, said the other, taking the money. 
but I have to buy two camels. They walked together through the narrow streets of Tangier. Everywhere there were stalls with items for sale. They reached the center of a large plaza where the market was held. There were thousands of people there, arguing, selling, and buying. Vegetables for sale amongst daggers and carpets displayed alongside tobacco. But the boy never took his eye off his new friend. After all, he had all his money. He thought about asking him to give it back, but decided that would be unfriendly. He knew nothing about the customs of the strange land he was in. I'll just watch him, he said to himself, and knew he was stronger than his friend. Suddenly, there, in the midst of all that confusion, he saw the most beautiful sword he had ever seen. The scabbard was embossed in silver, and the handle was black and encrusted with precious stones. The boy promised himself that when he returned from Egypt, he would buy that sword. Ask the owner of that stall how much the sword cost, he said to his friend. Then he realized that he had been distracted for, distracted for a few moments looking at the sword. His heart squeezed as if his chest had suddenly compressed. He was afraid to look around because he knew what he would find. He continued to look at the beautiful sword for a bit longer until he summoned the courage to look around. All around him was the market, with people coming and going, shouting and buying, and the aroma of strange foods. But nowhere could he find his new companion. The boy wanted to believe that his friend had simply become separated from him by accident. He decided to stay right there and await his return. As he waited, a priest climbed to the top of a nearby tower and began his chant. Everyone in the market fell to their knees, touched their foreheads to the ground, and took up the chant. Then, like a colony of worker ants, they dismantled their stalls and left. The sun began its departure as well. The boy watched through its trajectory for some time watched it through its trajectory for some time until it was hidden behind the white houses behind white houses surrounding the plaza he recalled that when the sun had risen that morning he was on another continent still a shepherd with 60 sheep and looking forward to meeting with a girl that morning he had known everything that was going to happen to him as he walked through the familiar fields but now as the sun began to set he was in a different country a stranger in a strange land where he couldn't even speak the language. He was no longer a shepherd, he had, and he had nothing, not even the money, to return and start everything over. All this happened between sunrise and sunset, the boy thought. He was feeling sorry for himself and lamenting the fact that his life could have changed so suddenly and so drastically. He was so ashamed that he wanted to cry. He had never even wept in front of his own sheep. But the marketplace was empty, and he was far from home, so he wept. He wept because God was unfair, and because this was the way God repaid those who believed in their dreams. When I had my sheep, I was happy, and I made those around me happy. People saw me coming and welcomed me, he thought, but now I'm sad and alone. I'm going to become bitter and distrustful of people because one person betrayed me. I'm going to hate those who have found their treasure because I have never found mine. And I'm going to hold on to what little I have because I am too insignificant to conquer the world. He opened his pouch to see what was left of his possessions. Maybe there was a bit left of the sandwich he had eaten on the ship. But all he found was the heavy book, his jacket, 
and the two stones the old man had given him. As he looked at the stones, he felt relieved for some reason. He had exchanged six sheep for two precious stones that had been taken from a gold breastplate. He could sell the stones and buy a return ticket, but this time I'll be smarter, the boy thought, removing them from the pouch so he could place, put them in his pocket. This was a port town, and the only truthful thing his friend had told him was the port towns are full of thieves. Now he understood why the owner of the bar had been so upset. He was trying to tell him not to trust that man. I'm like everyone else. I see the world in terms of what I would like to see happen and what actually does. He ran his fingers slowly over the stones, sensing their temperature and feeling their surfaces. They were his treasure. Just handling them made him feel better. And they reminded him of the old man. When you want something, all of the worst, all of the universe, sorry, conspires in helping you to achieve it, he had said. The boy was trying to understand the truth of what the old man had said. There he was, in the empty marketplace, without a cent to his name, and not, and with not a sheep to guard through the night. But the stones were proof that he had met with a king, a king who knew nothing of the boy's past. Sorry, a king who knew of the boy's past. They are called Urim, Urim and Thummim. They can help you to read the omens. The boys put the stones back in the pouch and decided to do an experiment. The old man had asked, had said to ask very clear questions. And to do that, the boy had to know what he wanted. So he asked if the old man's blessing was still with him. He took out one of the stones. It was yes. Am I going to find my treasure? he asked. He stuck his hand into the pouch and felt around for one of the stones. As he did so, both of them pushed through the hole in the pouch and fell to the ground. The boy had never noticed that there was a hole in his pouch. He knelt down to find Urim and Thummim and put them back in the pouch. But as he saw them laying, lying there on the ground, another phrase came to his mind. Learn to recognize omens and follow them. Sorry guys, I make notes in my books all the time. Um, and when something is profound to me, as, we're, as I'm reading for you, I'm also making notes. So I apologize for that pause, but here we go. An omen, the boy, boy smiled to himself. He picked up two notes and put them back in his pouch. He didn't consider mending the hole. The stones could fall through any time they wanted. wanted. He had learned that there were certain things one shouldn't ask about, so as not to flee from one's own personal legend. I promised that I would make my own decisions, he said to himself. But the stones had told him that the old man was still with him, and that made him feel more confident. He looked around at the empty plaza again, feeling less desperate than before. This wasn't a strange place. It was a new one. After all, what he had always wanted was just that, to know new places. Even if he had never, even if he never got to the pyramids, he had already traveled farther than any shepherd he knew. 
Oh, if they only knew how different things are, just two hours by ship from where they are, he thought. Although his new world at the moment was just an empty marketplace, he had already seen it when it was teeming with life, and he would never forget it. He remembered the sword. It hurt him a bit to think about it, but he had never seen one like it before. As he mused about these things, he realized that he had to choose between thinking of himself as the poor victim of a thief and as an adventurer in quest of his treasure. I am an adventurer, he said to himself, looking for treasure. He was shaken into wakefulness by someone. He had fallen asleep in the middle of the marketplace, and life in the plaza was about to resume. Looking around, he sought his sheep, and then realized that he was in a new world. But instead of being saddened, he was happy. He no longer had to seek out food and water for the sheep. He could go in search of his treasure instead. He had, not, he had not a cent in his pocket, but he had faith. He decided the night before that he would be as much as... Sorry. He decided the night before that he would be as much an adventurer as the ones he admired in books. He walked slowly through the market. The merchants were assembling their stalls, and the boy helped a candy seller to do his. The candy seller had a smile on his, on his face. He was happy, aware of the life, aware of what his life was about, and ready to begin a day's work. His smile reminded the boy even of the old man, the mysterious old king he had met. This candy's merchant isn't making this candy merchant isn't making candy so that later he can travel or marry a shopkeeper's daughter. He's doing it because it's what he wants to do, thought the boy. He realized that he could do the same thing the old man had done. Sense whether a person was near to or far from his personal legend just by looking at them. It's easy and yet I've never done it before, he thought. When the stall was assembled, the candy seller offered the boy the first sweet he had made for the day. The boy thank, thanked him, ate it, and went on his way. When he had gone only a short distance, he realized, while they were erecting the stall, one of them had spoken Arabic and the other Spanish, and they had understood each other perfectly well. There must be a language that doesn't depend on words, the boy thought. I've already had that experience with my sheep, and now it's happening with people. He was learning a lot of new things. Some of them were things that he had already experienced and weren't really new, but that he had never perceived before. And he hadn't perceived them because he hadn't been accustomed to them. He realized, if I can learn to understand this language without words, I can learn to understand the world. Relaxed and unhurried, he resolved that he would walk through the narrow streets of Tangier. Only in that way would he be able to read the omens. He knew it would require a lot of patience, but shepherds know all about patience. Once again, he saw that in that strange land, he was applying the same lessons he had learned with his sheep. All things are one, the old man had said. And that is um, reading up to page 47. And that is where we are going to stop for today. Um, I trust that you enjoyed that. I certainly did. And as I told you, 
Um, I do pause every now and then. I make notes in my margins of my books. And I've got The Alchemist already. And so I have so many notes in my first reading of it. But I bought a new one to read with you all. So as things are coming to me and as things are profound, I'm making um, just a notation to go back. But sometimes I do write some words. So please forgive me if there's a pause because I pause to write those notes in the margins of this book. But I trust that... Um, this these pages have broadened your mind inspired your thoughts um further or inspired a conversation between you and someone else i trust it changed your world or entertained you whatever it has done i trust that reading this with me today has served you and remember everyone that your flame your fire will always burn lighting someone else's fire will never diminish yours it will only create a larger fire I've so enjoyed reading this book with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tune in for the next episode where I'll read more pages of this book. Have a great day. Have a wait. Sorry. Have a great week. Take care of yourself and each other. This is Miss Felicia J. Until next time, darlings. Be well.